These guys in the background are boxers. WWW. Who will win? <laughs> we already know who is winning and is going to win. Hallelujah. That's Jesus. But I want to tell you something very interesting about boxing and wrestling in the Greek uh, culture. I remember to know the Olympics originated in Greece. <clears throat> well, these guys, remember Paul writes, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He uses a particular word in Greek called pale. We wrestle not. We fight not against flesh and blood. And everyone in the Greek culture understood that word pale. It meant that these are the guys that go into the arena. And not only do they fight, they fight to the death. Rather than getting the dishonor of being defeated, they'd rather be killed than be defeated. And there were boxers. Those were the, 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 uh, the younger guys. Those are the ones that just started out. And those boxers, some of them wore helmets, but most of them wore these gloves with spikes on them. And there were no rules. <laughs> no rules, no timeout. It was fight to the death. After that was the wrestlers, and then there was the real bad guys. If they survived those two, they would get into the arena and they would fight also to the death. So who will win? We know who's going to win. It's us with Jesus. Hallelujah. Actually, <clears throat> I, I, unfortunately I confused Pastor Wayne badly because the real title of the sermon was Strength versus Fear. This was supposed to be the subtitle, but that's okay. <laughs> I did confuse Pastor Wayne badly. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Oh, by the way, just to give you a little insight on how valuable that ointment was. When... Uh, Mr. Carter discovered King Tut's tomb in 1922, I believe it was. It had already been broken into one time. And you'll never guess what was stolen. The precious ointment. Nothing else was stolen. That's how valuable. There's gold all over the place in King Tut's tomb. I saw the, the mask of King Tut. It's solid gold. It's about a quarter of an inch thick. It's beautiful, handiwork. But nobody stole it. They stole the precious ointment. That's how valuable that precious ointment was. Anyway, I digress. So who will win? Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' mighty name, thank you that we have your words and we can look into it and have it brought deeply into our spirits, God that we would empower us, God, to love you and love one another more and more and more. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Can you say amen? Praise amen. God. <clears throat> Psalm 27 is one of my favorite uh, psalms. I have almost the whole thing underlined. 
<laughs> because there's so much in there that speaks to my heart, especially verse 13. I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but here's what it says in verse 13. David, this is a psalm of David. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes in your Christian walk, it's going to look like God is nowhere around. It's going to look like everything is falling apart. Nothing is going right. And you're going to have to tell yourself, you know what? God's in control and there's going to come a good outcome. Something good is coming down the line. Just be ready and waiting. Can you say amen? So Psalm 27, verse 1, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Or what shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? First of all, notice that it says, The Lord is my light. The Lord, we all know who the Lord is, is Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Savior. But it says, He is my light. How many know that uh, when things are really dark, it sure comes in handy, oops, wrong button, to have, oh, for heaven's sake, <laughs> smartphone my foot. There it is. Press that button and that button. How many know it's really handy to have a light? There's one back there. I went with my son when he was in the sixth grade, I think it was, or the fourth grade, on a school trip. We went to the, uh, the Bisbee Mine, and you go in the mine in the car there, and they turn all the lights off, and it is pitch black. Can't see a thing. The miners have these little headlights on their helmets which really makes life wonderful down in the darkness. But here it says, the Lord is my light. How many know God is a personal God? Your salvation, my salvation, is based on Jesus and what He did on the cross, resurrecting again from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, washing us with His precious blood. Salvation is personal. Is He your Lord? Hallelujah. Uh, according to uh, one of the commentaries I read, this expresses confidence in Jesus as the source of all the benefits of the new covenant. All the promises of God are available to us. <clears throat> Praise God. In uh, Strong's Concordance, light or illumination comes from the Greek word photizo, where we get the word photograph from, and it means to enlighten or illuminate, bring to light, or make to see. One of the most important things in your walk with God, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, it says, Recall the former days which, in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, going on to verse 34, knowing that you have a better Enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. This word illuminated means to make to see. And the basis of our salvation in Jesus is to be made to see 
how useless and how worthless our own efforts are to save ourselves. We, we, we need to be able to understand and to be able to get saved. A person has to understand how fruitless and futile their life is without Jesus. And they have to understand that there is no hope of redemption or salvation, no hope of making heaven their home until they put their confidence and trust in that Jesus paid for their sins. You have to come to an understanding that you are a sinner before God before you can get saved. It's absolutely fundamental and foundational. If you have never come to the understanding that you are a sinner before God and worthy only of God's wrath, then you can put your trust in Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for taking what I deserve on yourself. Like I've said many times before, before I got saved, I remember walking around thinking the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Why doesn't God kill me? Because I didn't see the rest of it, that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Daily he loads us with benefits, the Bible says. According to Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher in the 1800s, light reveals our darkness and makes us long for Jesus. When you, a person comes to the understanding that they're guilty before God, then they can put their trust in Jesus that He alone is sufficient for all sin. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Verse 35 in Hebrews chapter 10 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. Hallelujah. Great reward. We put in our confidence in Jesus and His sacrifice that makes us good enough it's more than enough all sufficient hallelujah i don't completely understand it the sin of the whole world isn't that awesome the whole world all the sin that ever were committed and ever will be committed up until eternity jesus covers it all as somebody said there's not enough sin in the universe to nullify Success of Jesus' sacrifice. Hallelujah. And we have an enduring possession in heaven. Micah chapter 7, verse 8 says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. How many know we have an enemy? And it's not people. <laughs> Can you say amen? When I fall, not if, but when, I will arise. That's the key to salvation. Once you uh, put your faith and trust and confidence in Jesus, if you happen to mess up, guess what? You don't have to stay down there in the pig wallow. You can get up, clean, get, go back, hallelujah, to your father's house like the prodigal son. How many know the purpose or the point, the whole point of the story of the prodigal son's lesson is that he was dead and he came back to life. The father thought, oh, he hadn't seen his son in years. He thought his son was dead. And can you imagine his joy when he sees his son down the road coming home? What joy it must have filled his heart. I thought you were dead. Oh, my goodness. You're back. You're alive. Oh, come in. Come in. And they put the best robe on him. 
and a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet to separate him from that which was gone and dead. Because the young man said, what am I doing here? And he came back. That the whole point is that he was dead in sins and trespasses just like you and I were. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. According to Matthew Henry's comment, no, Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary, light is a common figure for comfort. Hallelujah. We have been brought to the kingdom of God's glorious light in whom there is no shadow of turning. Hallelujah. God does not deceive us. Can you say amen? Glory to God. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 17, King David's subjects call him the lamp of Israel. According to Oswald Chambers, what this is literally talking about is that they were saying, David, you're reflecting the glory of God among us. Very interesting thought from Oswald Chambers. He says, you know, don't, don't pray and ask God to reveal himself to you because guess what? What really matters is that people see Jesus in you. That's what matters. That the way we behave, the way we deal with people, the way we relate to people, they should see Jesus in us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I have a t-shirt that the words glow in the dark. On <clears throat> the front it says, reflect the moon. It's got a, no, reflect the, be the moon, it says on the front. And on the back it says, reflect the sun. Glory to God. Are you a moon? <laughs> Are you reflecting the sun? Amen. This leads us to... Hang on a second. Ah, we're working on salvation. So there's three, three parts to this sermon. The Lord is my light, my salvation, and my strength. So, we want to look at, um, leave that one there for a minute. Psalm 119, your word, verse 105, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. <clears throat> so, it's the word of God that gives us light, that gives us understanding. One of the saddest things in this country is that prayer was removed from school and the Bible was removed from public education. That's why people are going crazy, because they don't have any understanding of God and what He says about things. That's why people are so confused about what they are, because they have no understanding. Our Constitution says, specifically says, that we believe in a Creator. We hold these evidence to be uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That implies that there's a creator. <laughs> so much for atheism. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says these words the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, but now 
in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought near. So the blood of Christ is the blood that seals the new covenant or the new testament. How many have ever heard of a last will and testament? That's what happened when Jesus died. Because he died, the last will and testament of God was made available to us. And what that means is that salvation is no longer exclusive for the Jewish people, but it's now available for every person on the planet Earth. Can you say amen? Excuse me. And it's by the blood of Jesus. So let's look at a couple of other things here. Your word is a lamp. I was going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. But you guys, for your homework, read Ephesians. Read Paul's prayer. Read Paul's prayer. When he heard of your faith, he says to the Ephesians, this is what I prayed for you, that God would open your understanding to see the power of God that's working in you. Hallelujah. The Lord is my salvation. What does salvation mean? It means to be rescued. It means to be helped. It means to be delivered. Brought to safety means to be made victorious. It means to uh, live in prosperity. It means to be free. It means to have health. Both in Greek and Hebrew pretty much means the same thing. But there's an interesting word in Greek which is very similar to salvation and that's Savior. And it means a defender or a defense. How many have ever heard the sports term and the military term the, good, the best defense is a good offense. Anybody ever hear that? Yes. Okay, good. The best defense is a good offense. So what do we have? We have Jesus goes before us into the most holy place with his own precious blood. Hallelujah. And he is our defender because he is victorious and he went after the enemy and he vanquished him. Hallelujah. Immediately upon putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you become a possessor of all of the new covenant blessings. Direct access to God. I like that one song. Anytime, anywhere, any place, I'm never too much for you, Jesus. He who keeps you neither sleeps nor slumbers. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 this is a good memory verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are yes. God's the best dad in the whole universe. He loves us. Can you say amen? He loves us. Amen. He loves us. Got our best interest at heart. Let's look just for a minute at, should be Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. There it is. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. Does anybody know when this was written? Or why? Okay. In chapter 14, verse 13, 
the people of Israel come to the Red Sea. There's a lot of water here. Here comes the Egyptian army. Uh, Moses, do you bring us out here to kill us? And what does God say? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they go across on dry land. And the Egyptian army goes in and they get drowned. And they sing this song. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Sometimes when we go through problems, we have difficulty with people, it's best to just be still and let God take care of it. Because a lot of times when we try to help God, <clears throat> it doesn't work so well. God is smarter than us. Can you say amen? <laughs> Anybody have a difficult person in your life that you're dealing with? Oh, praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm glad to hear that. But for most of the rest of us, yes, there are difficult people that we have to deal with all the time. Let God do something in their lives. Sometimes it's just a good idea to just zip your lip. Can you say amen? But after a trial and you experience the goodness of God and the grace of God, you can tell people, you know what? God helped me get through this. And the Lord is my strength and song. And He's become my salvation. He delivered me. Hallelujah. All the promises of God. In verse... Hallelujah. Good thing we're not in California. The governor said you can't sing in church. So, we can sing here. Can you say amen? <laughs> Praise God. And, and just as an aside, when we sing and we worship God, one of the things that really um, helped the Pentecostal movement explode was exuberant worship. I remember uh, listening to a recording. This is years and years before you, most of you guys were even born. The concert for Bangladesh with George Harrison of the Beatles. And I remember listening to that. And the song ended and the people were applauding in the audience. It sounded like thunder. It's just whoa. And the, in the, the Revelation, it says that the people worshiping and praising God in heaven sounds like thunder and like the great rushing water, like Niagara Falls is, is roaring. When we worship God, don't stop. Don't stop. When, we, when the song ends, clap your hands and, and shout to God and get excited about God. Hallelujah. There's something in the, in the atmosphere, so to speak. There's a different dynamic in, in our meeting when we worship God loudly, when we worship God from our hearts. Can you say amen? Praise God. <clears throat> Let's go on. All the promises. Here's that memory verse for you. 2 Corinthians 1.20 All the promises of God in Him. Are you in Him? Then these promises are yours. Hallelujah. Here's a great promise. God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Proper thinking. Can you say amen? 
Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him or her, anyone, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, just before, a couple of verses before verse 20, says, we have the mind of Christ. Listen to this. Spiritual revelation and understanding that you get from Scripture as opposed to only the principles of science and human reasoning Spiritual revelation and understanding God's Word, the mind of Christ, has the advantage of grasping the truth. If uh, I was talking to somebody before the service, uh, there was a young man who confronted uh, Ravi Zacharias, and uh, he says, you know, you can have your own truth, basically what the young man was saying. Just decide what's true for you, and that's okay. And uh, you, you can't have any moral absolutes. You can't, nobody can say that this is right or this is wrong. So, uh, Ravi Zacharias asked the young man, uh, well, do you lock your doors at night? <laughs> because if, if somebody, you know, if, if you believe that anybody can just decide whatever is true for themselves, then people can decide, well, all your stuff is mine and I'm coming in your house and stealing it. And that's that. So you lock your doors at night because you really, the guy, he kid, he really doesn't believe that you can make up your own truth because he locks his doors at night, and that's proof. The truth is that there is right and wrong, and the truth is that God is the one, is the authority who sets what's right and what's wrong. Hallelujah. Matthew Henry says, we don't lose the ability to reason by establishing our relationship to God on Revelation. Because it says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, how many know God is reasonable? How many know that just because you get saved, you throw reason out the window? The most reasonable thing in the world to do is to put your trust in Jesus and that His salvation and His blood makes you good enough to approach God and have a relationship with God. Because in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. God says, come here. Let's, let's figure this out. Though your sins are like scarlet, red and stained, they shall be white as snow. Though they as be as red as crimson, they shall be as pure as wool. Hallelujah. Listen to what Matthew Henry has to say about people that are trying to be right with God without putting their trust in Jesus. Justice and charity will never atone for atheism and profaneness. Profaneness is just simply, basically worldliness. It's simply not having any sense of something sacred and having no sense of anything being holy. Atheism and profaneness. Just because a person does justly, just because they give to charity, those good works apart from Jesus will not atone for their sins. It's only the blood of Jesus that will atone for sins. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, God basically has given us revelation 
the promises of God in verses 6 through 9, which you can read for yourself. God has revealed the promises to us through His Spirit. Excuse me, for the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. I hope everyone that's listening has had a revelation from God of how great His salvation is and how unworthy we are apart from Jesus. Can you say amen? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind, right thinking. We have the mind of Christ, it says in the Scripture. So, if you back up to chapter 27, verse 1, it says, Because God is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? God has not given us a spirit of fear. So there's no, nothing to be afraid of. We can trust in God. He is able to see us through anything. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We have the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Romans chapter 8, one of the great, the whole book of Romans is just amazing. What shall, somebody, shall we say to these things? What things is he talking about? What he's talking about is the whole thing that he was talking about from the whole chapter 1 all the way up to there. How do we respond to God's plan of salvation? How? If God is for us, who can be against us? Or as one translator said, if God is for us, everybody else might as well be with us. They should be. Isn't it? Always boggles my mind. Always makes me wonder when you tell somebody about Jesus and you tell them about God's plan of salvation. And they say, this one guy told me, I'm not a sinner. <laughs> you're not? <laughs> well, why don't we ask someone who knows you whether or not you're a sinner? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us... <clears throat> Draw near to God with a clean conscience. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Being nice doesn't save anybody. But once you get saved, you should be nice. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, let's look. God did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall he not with him? So he's given us Jesus and he's also going to freely give us all things that pertain to life and God. Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I brought a little illustration here. <clears throat> this thing doesn't look very big. This is 35 pounds. Here, Blake, catch. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is... I. I don't know if I can pick it up with one hand. But if I practice enough, I might be able to keep going. But I'm only going to do that once. because <laughs> 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 I lifted weights with some smaller ones yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was in high school, I lifted weights. I almost killed myself one time. I had my shirt off and I was bench pressing and I was sweating and I slid and boom, weight almost landed on my neck. Whoa. <laughs> But exercising and lifting weights will actually give you some strength. 
Uh, you, can't, you can't get big and muscular like Arnold Schwarzenegger by sitting around wishing. Oh, I wish I had big muscles. I wish I was strong. <laughs> One time, <laughs> back in 2006, around Thanksgiving, we were watching TV and I was watching the strong men on TV. This guy pulls a locomotive <laughs> across a bridge. It's wow. So I went to work when we came back from the vacation and I picked up a, uh, a wooden form and I, I could pick it up and move it, <clears throat> except I didn't pick it up properly. And it's just me and another guy working and he said, hey, be careful, don't hurt yourself, I'm okay. And then about two minutes later, I said, oh man, that hurts. And then <laughs> a couple of years later, a hernia opened up. Got about that long and about that wide, I had to have surgery. Come out of surgery and <laughs> doctor says, oh, you had three hernias. I fixed them all. I said, three hernias? <laughs> How did I get three hernias? Because I didn't train properly. I didn't uh, use the proper strength techniques. I thought I could do it. So now I have a little weightlifting belt that I wear. So when I pick something heavy up, No. <laughs> no new hernias. I have Olympic weights at home. I was going to bring them too, but I didn't want to show off, you know. <laughs> I could pick up myself. Watch. <laughs> I only weigh 138 pounds. <laughs> Second, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Exercise thyself rather unto ungodly, oh, no, excuse me, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says these words, solid food belongs to those who are mature, <clears throat> that is, to those who by reason, and there's that word reason again, who by reason of use or practice have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Remember what the snake told Eve? You're going to be able to see what's good and evil. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, it didn't work out very well. Can you say amen? But Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews, tells us to practice and use our senses to discern and exercise to discern both good and evil. Why would, why would the writer say that? Because that's what the devil told Eve. You're going to be able to tell the difference. You're going to be able to see what's good and evil. Because before they partook of that fruit, they didn't know what evil was. But we know what evil is because we have the mind of Christ. Can you say amen? If you don't want to know what sin is, read the law. The law will tell you what sin is. Oh my goodness, I didn't know it said that in there. You'll be surprised what it says in there. But when you exercise yourself to discern both good and evil, guess what? That gives you the opportunity to choose the good. Glory to God. And then you can exercise yourself unto godliness by choosing what's godly. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I think it's kind of funny that uh, the uh, wrestlers in, in the ancient Greek culture 
they, uh, they were called the Pancratists. And uh, they fought to the death. How many know when you get married, you say, I promise till death do us part. Anybody ever heard that? I made that promise. See this magic ring? I made that promise. Till death do us part. But that doesn't mean that you kill each other. Can you say amen? <laughs> it means you stay faithful. Hallelujah. So these pancreatists, these wrestlers, these fighters, they stayed faithful to maintain the honor that they would bring their families by being victorious. It was a terrible shame. And as a matter of fact, they had to exercise and they dedicated themselves. If you partook in the Olympic sports back then, you had to take an oath that you exercised, that you trained, that you did this, that, and the other thing. And if it found out that you were lying about the oath, guess what? <laughs> that was a death penalty. Can you imagine our Olympic athletes today? Oh, yeah, um, I don't use any enhancing uh, drugs. <laughs> and guess what? They do a test and say, oh, yes, you have. You've been using enhancing drugs. You're out. Can you imagine if <laughs> they did that back then? Oh, you've been using enhancing drugs? Okay. <laughs> You're out <laughs> forever. They don't do that nowadays, or I guess we're a little more civilized. <laughs> but these guys, and this is an example when it says to exercise <coughs> yourself rather to godliness, this is the exercise is the Greek word gymnazo, where we get the word gymnasium from. These people were dedicated. They were dedicated. They were dedicated. They were dedicated. They made sacrifices to pursue what they wanted to participate in. Some of these boxers, they would literally have someone else come and beat them up so that they could, you know, stand the pain. But they endured to the end and they were victorious. So what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Glory to God. He wants to be our defender. He wants to be our helper. He has called us to great things. You and I, we may seem insignificant in our own eyes, but God sees us. Every single one of us is so very special to God. Can you say amen? Exercise yourself to godliness. Ask God to help you, give you discernment. What's right and wrong? What's good and evil? And choose the good. If you really need help, read your Bible. That will really help a lot. Give you the mind of Christ. You read four chapters a day, you can read the whole Bible in a year. If you read ten chapters a day, turn the TV off, turn the... <coughs> Get off of Facebook. <laughs> Get off the computer. Unless your Bible's on your computer. Read. Read the Word of God. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Next thing you know, Scriptures will come to your memory, your mind in certain situations. And you'll be blessed. And God will continue to expand His kingdom. Hallelujah. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you learned something this morning. I hope You've exercising yourself. You're going to be coming stronger in Jesus. The day is coming when it's all going to be over. All going to be over someday. 
So let's keep focused on our goal, which is letting people see Jesus in us. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and close in prayer. Presence of God, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you that you love us so much that you sent your only Son. In the name of Jesus, I lift every soul up this morning, God, on the face of this earth, God, that you would reach down, God, in grace and power and revelation of who you are and what you've done for us. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Um, pretty much know everybody here, but if you're watching online and you're not saved, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't received salvation and forgiveness, I just want to encourage you. It's a simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Save me. Set me free. Be the Lord of my life. Because the promise is, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. It's a gift from God. And I pray that you, if you're watching and you haven't received Jesus, that you would receive him today. If you did, we invite you to get on our website or look us up in the phone book. Call somehow, write, text. We're open on Sundays, 9190 uh, Coach Line, North Coach Line Boulevard, right next to Angela's Mexican Restaurant. Praise God.